Now the Bible tells of a story of a man that was, a, you know, talked to a rich man and his crops came in and he had more than he could stand. He had more than he could handle. In fact, it was so much that his storehouses were full and overflowing. And so he said, well, I'm going to build big barns and I'm going to fill them up. And then I'm going to end up taking it easy and say to my soul, it is now time to rest. And then God said to him, he says, you fool. What do you think that means when God says, you fool? You know, the Bible says we shouldn't call our, each, our brothers fools, but if God calls you a fool, I think it's okay. I think he's got some inside information. He says, you fool! You don't even know that your soul is going to be required of you this night. So when we have the opportunity to harvest, I believe we need to take the opportunity to harvest. We have to recognize the seasons that we're in, and that's why it's so important when God has the prophetic voices, the prophets speak out, and they're all saying the same thing, that this is that time, that this is the time to be involved. This is not the time to sit back and say, oh, well, I'll see what happens first. You know, the farmer that sits back on his porch and waits three weeks to see what happens first has already missed it. It means you get in there, you know the times, you hear the sign of the times, and you get involved. So I'm going to give you tips now to help you rock 2019 or make it the best ever. And the first one comes out of 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, and it's out of the Bible in basic English. It says, We then, working together with God, make our request to you not to take the grace of God to no purpose. For he says, I have given ear to you at a good time, and I have been your helper in the day of salvation. See, now is the good time. Now is the day of salvation. And I love the way that Paul writes that. He says, you know, it is now. So it really doesn't matter when you read it. It is now. You know, if he would have said, oh, you know, 12 BD or AD, that's going to be the good time or that's, then we could all look back and say, oh, well, the season has passed. This is done. But whenever you read this, the Spirit of God is speaking to you and saying, now is the good time. Now is the day of salvation. Right now is the time. So what do we do to rock 2019? Well, the very first thing is we recognize that this is the day of salvation that we are living in. We are not looking forward to one great day where finally the glory of God will be poured out and and all of his angels are going to be released and they're going to go ahead and do it all. And we're going to say, well, that was because God has entrusted this message into the hands of men. In fact, the angels were not allowed to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That has been reserved for man. When, uh, <coughs> when Cornelius was busy praying and his almsgiving and everything, the angel appeared to Cornelius and says, Go send for Peter. He will tell you. Why didn't the angel just tell him? Because angels cannot share that message at this time. Number one, it wasn't for them. They don't understand it. It was for men. The angels look into it and they go, man, it would be nice if we could know what this all going on. We can't, you know, like these guys are all excited and they're all happy and they're shouting and screaming and glorifying God. It would be nice if we knew what there's going on, but they can't understand it. Why? It wasn't for them. I was thinking this morning during praise and worship. I thought, you know, praise and worship keeps going this way. I'm going to have to cut my messages shorter. <laughs> so it's on you guys. <laughs> You know, when everybody gets involved and people are worshiping God and they're shouting and they're clapping and they're joyful. You can sense the joy in here this morning as we're worshiping. I thought, yeah, this is. This is the saints of God coming together and, and worshiping the Almighty. So, so it's not that the angels are going to do it one day. We do know that after the tribulation or when that has all taken place, that the angels are going to be released and the more will become. But until that point, this has been put into the hands of the church. It's been put into the hands of men. We have the message of salvation. It's been given unto us. So the most important thing for 2019, if you have not yet done this, Accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's the first step. You know, a lot of people put scriptural concepts to work. A lot of great teachers, they, you know, they go around teaching, like John Maxwell teaches a lot of scriptural concepts. There's different motivational speakers. They speak what the Bible says. They just don't use the scripture verses. 
But they're speaking the truth that is found in the Bible and the world is responding to it. Well, the truth is the very first thing we need to do is we need to say, Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me. Why? Because if you're not in the kingdom of God, you're always going to feel the odd man out. But when we come before God and we repent and we say, Father, I am sorry that I have sinned against you. I am sorry. You know, uh, churches have gone ahead over the years. and They've tried to do away with the sin issue. And, and one of the ways that was often done was the infant baptism. You know, churches that said, well, we baptize them as children or as babies because then the sin that they were born into is dealt with. Well, I'll tell you, by the time you accept Christ, you've got your own sin to worry about. Come on. You know, the sin of Adam can be removed, possibly. The sin of Adam has been forgiven, but I believe it's been forgiven through the cross of Christ. But then as we grow up, you don't have to be very old until a child starts acting in rebellion to his parents or her parents. You know, that baby arches its back when mommy says, I'm going to do this. No. The temper tantrums, what are those? Rebellion. You start moving through the different stages in life and all of a sudden theft isn't so hard to do and the lies become easier and before you know it, you don't have to be very old and you're quite adept at lying to mom and dad. (laughs) None you, maybe I was. (laughs) You get to develop your own sin and what has to come is the point has to come in your life where you say, Father, I have sinned. I agree with you. Not only was I born into sin, I have chosen a life of sin. And so now I'm asking you, Father, to forgive me, to let the sacrifice of Jesus Christ cover that sin so that I can be free. Let the sacrifice of Jesus Christ erase that sin so there is no more memory of it. First step. Well, when do you do that? Well, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. There was an old saying that said, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. <laughs> Why wait till tomorrow? Ask for Father's forgiveness. And say, I, I believe in Jesus, Father. I believe that he has covered my sins. He has removed them. So that's the very first important thing at the beginning of 2019. If you haven't done it, accept Jesus as your Savior and then commit to following him and obey, obeying his, what his word tells you to do. See, a lot of times we've had this whole thought, well, we're just going to pray the sinner's prayer and everybody prays the sinner's prayer and they go and live for the devil tomorrow. That's not the idea. The Repent and be baptized is what Peter said. So the first thing you do is repent. Say, Father, I'm sorry. I recognize that what I have done has been against you. I have sinned against you. Repentance. I choose, Father, to not live in that anymore. I choose to put that behind me. I choose, Father, to try and live for you now. I was at a confirmation service at one point, and one of the things that really struck me was when the priest asked the baptizer, they were, they've been baptized as babies, but now they're confirmation. And the question, he says, do you now commit to turning your back on the works of the devil? And they said, yes, we do. That was the right answer. <laughs> then he says, do you now commit to following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And they said, yes, we do. And I thought, why have we missed that step so often in the churches today? You know, it's not just accepting Christ. It's also turning your back on sin. It's also walking away from what Satan has had to offer. So then we commit to following him by obeying what his word tells us to do. And the second thing I want to say about that is enjoy the ride. (laughs) What was that? Often we try to figure out what God has next for us on this journey. And we give ourselves all sorts of ulcers and who knows what all else. Trying to figure out what the plan of God is going to be. Enjoy the ride. (laughs) You've committed your life into the hands of the Almighty King. You have committed your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. Enjoy your ride. We need to learn to enjoy where we are at. 
You know, there's a part about being content. The Apostle Paul writes to the church and he says, I have learned to be content in whatever state I am in. Now, that didn't say that he was looking forward to stay in that state. I do not believe that given the options, the Apostle Paul would have said, well, let me just stay down here in the darkest dungeons sitting on a stone floor with a bunch of iron chains wrapped around me. Yeah, I'm content here, but that doesn't mean I want to be here. Come on. I do not believe that the Apostle Paul, if he'd been asked while he's in the deep for three days and three nights, while he's bobbing along like a cork in the middle of nowhere, playing shark bait, Paul, do you want to stay here or would you rather be on dry land? Oh, I'm content here. I'll just stay here, thanks. No, I believe he rather would have been on dry land. Because he wasn't dumb. And see, we have, learned, we have confused this so often. We think, well, we're, we have to be content wherever we are. Yes, we are content wherever we are because we recognize that where we are has been under the lordship of Jesus Christ and we've accepted him. But being content in this place does not mean that I want to be here because God has also put inside the life, inside the heart of every person, every Christian, the desire to get to a better place. Very few people are content to stay at the place where they were when they were 17, living in a room in mom's basement when they're 30. And those that have that as their dream, I will deal with them. There is a desire to get out. There is a desire to meet somebody. There is a desire to spend your life with someone, to set up your own home. There is a desire to start your own business. There is a desire to expand. There is a desire to take new territory. There is a desire, but that doesn't mean I cannot be content where I am right now. Yes, I am content with what I have done, but that doesn't mean that I cannot see that there is greater horizons open to me. It is when I start dreaming that I have started dying. So many people don't realize the minute their dreams die, death is starting to set in. Some people die at 12. They just take another 30, 40, 50, 60 years to play that out in the flesh. They have no dream, they have no vision, they have no goal. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to be? I don't know. Where do you want to go? doesn't matter. There ought to be some spark inside of you that says, this is something I want to accomplish. Why? Because the Spirit of the living God dwells inside of you. And this world is to be made the footstool of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have a part to play in that. This is the day of salvation. I've also met people that were 90 plus years old and they were talking to them, you would think you're dealing with 25 year olds. I'll tell you which one I'd rather hang around with. The 90 year old that acts like a 25 year old is much more nicer to be around than the 12 year old that acts like they're 100. Why? Because there's life that springs forth from that. And you meet some people and they're involved in their children, in their grandchildren. They're involved in what's happening in the world. They haven't hid their head in the sand and going, well, I don't have nothing to talk about. I don't have nothing to do. I don't have nothing to do. I just want to be here. and Just don't disturb me. Don't push me. Don't bug me. Don't poke the bear. Poke the bear. <laughs> Bears need poking. Just from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> fast shoes and a long stick go poke bears <laughs> today is the day of salvation this is the day so but enjoy the ride you've accepted christ you've given your life to him quit trying to figure out what god has next on your journey and enjoy where you are at right now but then take grace god's empowerment and work with god because this is the day of salvation now, if this is the day of salvation, what does that mean? That means I am working with God. He has already given me the power that I need, but I still have to release it. There are songs that have never been sung because the person that conceived them in their heart was not able to bring it forth. 
There are books that have never been written. Because the person that had that book placed inside of them didn't have the unction or the gumption to go and actually put it down on paper. Oh, one day that would be good. One day that might do. One day this, and then one day they're putting the grave, uh, the dirt back in. And it dies. A number of years ago, Pastor Jerry and I were walking through a cemetery, and we were looking at an old cemetery, and not that we usually do that on our holidays, but our guide wanted to take us there. And she's walking around. She says, I wonder how many books never got published that are laying here now. I wonder how many songs never got sung. And they're laying here now. I know when I meet God, I don't want to say, well, I had one more song left to write that I just never did. I don't want to sit there and say, well, God, I would have, but. Goat's butt. Enjoy it. Take grace. Take God's empowerment. Then work together with God because this is the day of salvation. Now, the word salvation means victory. Quit being beat up by everything that comes along. So many people get beat up because of offense and somebody looked at them wrong and somebody said the wrong word and, and now they're getting beat up. Get above those things. As long as you are alive, people are going to say stuff you don't like out of ignorance, out of stupidity, out of spitefulness, whatever. They're going to say it. If you're going to stop every time somebody says something against you, I can tell you right now, you're not going to finish your course. There's an old saying that says you don't have to stop and throw stones at every barking dog. And that's true. Victory, healing. Today is the day of healing. When is the day of healing? Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of deliverance. This is all part of your salvation. Today is the day of prosperity. But what are you speaking out? Man, I just don't have enough. It's hard to get by. I can't meet my ends. I can't make ends meet. I can't this. I can't that. What are you focused on? This is the day of prosperity. Start speaking it out. Start threshing that out of your mouth. And then accept it. Because a lot of people can speak it, but they can never accept it. Some people get healed, and the first thing they go is, oh, I can't believe that. So they go to a doctor to find out, and the doctor says, no, sorry. Well, I'm going to go to a different opinion. They'll finally say, okay, no, okay, you're sick. Okay, good. See, I told you I was sick. Like Pete shared last week, was it, when you shared with your brother-in-law? Was it a tumor he had? Something in the brain, anyway. After prayer, they did the next check. So we can see something was there but at one point, but it's gone. There's nothing there. Come on, people. Let's start speaking that out. Ain't no mountain high enough. The second thing, Hebrews 12.1, and again out of God's word. Since we are surrounded by many examples of faith, we must rid ourselves of everything that slows us down, especially the sin that distracts us. We must run the race that lies ahead of us and never get up. Run your race. Run your race, not somebody else's. Too often we get focused on everybody else's race, what they're doing or they're not doing, and you'll hear even old mature Christians, yeah, well, they're doing all of this wrong and they're doing that wrong. And Whoever called you to judge what somebody else was doing and whether that was right or wrong? And if you're going to tell me God, then I'm going to give you the scripture that says, who are you to judge another man's servant? See, we're not called to judge one another. We were called to love one another. Now, the Bible tells us we should judge the works. It says you will know a man or you will know a tree by its fruit. So you judge by the fruit. What's going on? Now, this fruit may, or this tree may be producing fruit that you're not familiar with, but is it good fruit? Is it producing love? Is it producing joy? Is it producing peace? 
Is it producing a life of prosperity? Are they becoming, you know, is this a tree that's becoming a, a, a good member of society? Is this a tree that's giving back or is this just a taker? Judge the tree. One of the lessons I try and teach people. Don't start off wholeheartedly. If you want to help somebody, help them a little bit. See what happens. Check the tree. Check the tree. You know, some people are in love because they met somebody that was just so perfect last night. (laughs) Check the tree. You're probably going to find there's some roots that are pretty rotten down there. If if not, hallelujah, then go ahead and commit and make life together. You know, I hear about people, oh no, we met online and we went and got married tomorrow. Well, have you ever met them face to face? No. Oh. I'm seeing problems there. And again, I don't care how you meet people, but get to know them before you build a lasting covenant relationship with each other. If you meet online, hallelujah, you met online. If you met in a dating club, you met on a dating club. If you met in the church, you met in church. You know, not everybody you meet in church is perfect for you either. Some of us are under construction. And just because they're in church, you can tell, you know, yeah, they may go to church because there is people that go to church just to try and meet somebody that's going to be decent. I've been around the block a few times. <laughs> Run your race. It is not about somebody else's journey. It's not about anybody else's journey. It's about your journey, and that's really what you have to focus on. You know, you see, people always talk about, well, you know, they're not, nobody's encouraging me, nobody's helping me, nobody's this, nobody's that. Shut up and grow. <laughs> Nobody else is commanded to help you. Huh? Now, when you meet love, you're going to meet a community of people that love you. They're going to help you. They're going to give out, and they're going to do what they can. But the obligation comes from the Spirit of God, not from you. Because God commands us to love one another. And yet so many people get hung up on saying, oh, well, this and that, and they're doing that. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. Don't compare yourself with others. I'm better than they are. There's always going to be somebody who's better than you. And if you start comparing yourself with those that are better than you, you start feeling like, well, I'm just not good enough. I just can't this. I just can't that. If you start comparing yourself with somebody that's not as good with you, you think you got it all together and it's your God's answer. Both are wrong opinions. Compare yourself with you yesterday. Are you a nicer person today than you were yesterday? Are you more truthful today than you were yesterday? Are you more hardworking today than you were yesterday? Are you more loving today than you were yesterday? Are you willing to speak the truth in love, even when it's an uncomfortable situation? Because if you're not, then you're still just living under avoidance. Who are you yesterday, and are you a better person today? I know a number of years ago when my wife was working in the restaurant, one of the comments she made, she says, every morning you try to make breakfast better. Every breakfast you try to make it better than the one before. My mindset was bacon is bacon, eggs are eggs. (laughs) Silly me. Every egg you fried, you try to do it better than the one you had done before. Well, that really is what our life should be about. Are you better today than you were yesterday? Are you doing it better now than you did? If you aren't, then why aren't you learning about what you're doing? There's an awful lot of places to learn stuff from if you want to learn on just about every subject you can think of. But it's your journey. Focus on your journey. 
Quit focusing on somebody else. When you're focusing on your journey and you recognize that you're in a better place today than you were yesterday, and it might not be something somebody else can see. But it's something that you can see, that you know, yes, okay, I managed to bite my tongue for a change and keep it bit long enough until the situation passed. <laughs> I managed to, you know, I, I, yes, I did react properly. I did speak the truth. Now, when you speak the truth, not everybody's going to get excited about it, let me tell you that. Well, they will, but not necessarily in a positive way. Some people don't like to hear the truth. The people that would rather live a lie don't like the truth. <clears throat> so what God has called you to do is for you. It's not for somebody else. So don't quit comparing yourself to everybody else. There's always going to be somebody better. There's always going to be somebody that's worse. And if you're comparing yourself to them, and depending on who you're comparing yourself to, you're going to sit there and say, man, I'm either really great or I'm not so much. Number three, Romans 8.30. 31, King James. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Another tip. Know who's for you, know who's against you. If you want to rock 2019, know who's on your side. Because if you don't, you're going to end up trusting the wrong people. Proverbs says it's like a foot out of joint trusting or having an unfaithful friend. I know what foot out of joint is about. So know who's against you, know who's for you, and I'm not referring to the other people being against you, I'm referring to the devil being against you. See, John 10.10 says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So when circumstances come against us to try and get us off course, we have to know that that is from the devil, and then remember who is for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Yes, the enemy may try to do stuff. He may try to get us off course. He may throw stuff on us to try and get us to give up. He may whatever. But it is God that is for us. Now normally, Satan is going to use people to come against us and God is going to use people to come for us. So know who's for you. Know who's against you. I remember this one movie scene that I had, and I don't remember which movie it was from. Some of you will probably know. This little bear cub, and this lion was chasing it. And this lioness, is, or cougar, is busy chasing this bear, and it runs across the cliff, and it falls into the water, and the cougar runs down stream, and the bear is hooked up on a tree finally, and the cougar is approaching. And then all of a sudden, you see this look change in the cougar's eyes as it takes off. And then the camera pans out, and there's Mama Bear standing right behind her cub. <laughs> That's really the image of God in you. It came out of a movie, though, I thought. Yeah. It's a part of a movie. Satan may be trying to push you right to the edge. God's got your back. And when he shows up on that scene, the enemy starts seeing him show up, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Like that line, it's going to take off. Number four, fourth tip, 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a special people. <laughs> I know there's different connotations, but God means it in the best way. <laughs> you are a special people, a holy nation, priests and kings, a people given up completely to God so that you may make, your, make clear the virtues of him who took you out of the dark into the light of heaven. Know who you are. Once you know who's for you, once you know who's against you, know who you are. You are beautifully and wonderfully made according to Psalm 139, 14. You have Jesus living inside of you. Recognize that you're not facing these things alone. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Know who you are. Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. If you're more than a conqueror, what can overcome? See, if you don't know who you are, then you don't know what you can do. If you don't know who you are, you don't know what you were created to do. You see, kids start playing with tools sometimes. 
And you see, they don't have no clue of what that tool was created to do. And all of a sudden, they're trying to use the handle of a plier to hammer nails in. It wrecks the pliers. Oh, it does. A hammer works so much better and so much safer and so much quicker. But if you don't know what you were created to be, what you were created for, if you don't know what you are, you're going to have a very hard time ever reaching out and being who God created you to be. You're going to wander around saying, well, I don't know, I don't this, I don't that, I don't know. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? See, first and foremost, we all know that we were created to bring the light of Christ into this world. Amen? That's our first and foremost. To worship God, that he might receive glory. To let the world know that there is a Redeemer. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, when he spoke to the church, he said, go ye into all the world. And that word ye includes every one of us. When Pastor Jerry was reading that letter about where they had gone with the, the other store that was cheaper than Walmart, and I go, oh, we were in that store. Some of you that were on that mission trip when we took to Ensenada when I was there, I know exactly which store they're talking about. About racing up and down the aisles. Wilbur and Alejandro are with us. Here, let's get some more of this. Because it's a warehouse store. It's like a Costco, a major Costco. Except nothing's been unpacked. You just open the cases and take what you want. It's Mexico. (laughs) Throw it in your cart and head for the thing. We had the little blazer. was just about packed full with stuff. (laughs) How to take an extra vehicle. This is what we were created for, to reach the world with the love of God. Number five, Colossians 1.13, God's word again. God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of his son, whom he loves. Know that you are a has-been. <laughs> Every one of you had better be a has-been. Because of Jesus, everything in your life has been changed. (laughs) Jesus took care of your situations. He took care of your problems when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. 1 Peter 2.24 So salvation, healing, and joy belong to you. Number six, Proverbs 3, 5-10 out of the King James. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thy own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. Honor the Lord with your substance, with the first fruit of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Quit trying and start relying. Stop trying to figure it out. Quit trying to make it all happen. If you could have made it happen, especially financially, you already would have. So give it to God, follow His Word, and then trust Him to work it out. As long as you're taking the steps in His Word, then you know that God is going to come through. If you cannot trust God with your temporal prosperity, how on earth are you trusting Him with your eternal salvation? So you follow his word. Well, gee, I just don't understand that. You know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We're out of money. Well, the first thing the Bible teaches is tithe. Bring the tithe and the offering. Oh, yeah, but I don't understand that, so we're not doing that. Well, trust God. You're trying to do it on your own. It isn't working. You're not following God's plan. You're following your own plan. Number seven, 1 Peter 5, 7. Putting all your troubles on him, for he takes care of you. Let go and let God. Quit trying, start relying. Let go, let God. God cannot work on your behalf when you're holding on to your problem. But when you let go of it and let Him figure it out, it will be a whole lot easier. 
You know how busy we make ourselves to the point where we can't sleep, to the point where we get sick of it, because our minds are busy running around trying to figure out a problem that we can't figure out? Just say, Father, I put this in your hands. Now, the first time you do that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have a very hard time doing that. Why? Because your flesh likes to think it can take care of it. That's why you have to discipline your flesh. That's why you train your flesh to say, no, God's got this. And then every time that thing tries to come back up, and yeah, but what? God's dealing with that. Yeah, but if you don't do something, God's dealing with it. I'm doing something. Yeah, but don't you know? (laughs) I don't know. God knows. And you refuse to allow your mind to think on it. And if you can't think of anything else, then start reading the scriptures out loud. Because when your mind is occupied doing something like that, it doesn't have time to worry. Your mind can only do one thing at a time. Even multitaskers have tried to do that out. They're actually less productive in the long run than people that go ahead and do one job and get it done and then move on to the next one. Another report I read. I read lots of stuff. You start saying, no, God, I'm not dealing with that Satan. I'm not dealing with it. I've put it in God's hands. And if it carries on, you go, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. (laughs) May not look too bright, but you get the idea. Why? You can't do anything about it. Let God deal with it. It's his job. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. All people are like grass, and all of their beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass dries up, the flower drops off, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. This word is the good news that was told to you. So it's not about you. Every one of us knows that our day is coming. The moment we are conceived, we are on a march to meet death. Wherever it happens, it's going to happen. Life is never about you or making a name for yourself. If that's your whole motivation, you have a very shallow motivation. You're going to be here, most likely, less than 100 years. Very few people get past that. After you have taken your last breath, the only people you're going to matter to uh, to are those that you have invested yourself in. If you haven't invested yourself in people, most people aren't even going to care. The postman will be a little upset because your post box isn't getting emptied, but he'll get over it. That's the sad truth, people. A lot of people live for themselves and then they can't understand why nobody cares about them later on. Oh yeah, well I wasn't comfortable that way. I was this is not about you, was it? The people that you matter to are those that you invest yourself in. The thing that will endure past you is what has been given to the kingdom of God. That may be sobering, but guess what? That's the fact we all face. Which leads to my next point. Matthew 6, 22. The light of the eye is the body. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. (laughs) Now we have been... We have to be sold out for Jesus and be willing to go out and touch our world for him. If we want to hear, thou good and faithful servant, well done, that means we have done what he said, and he said, go into all the world. Now, all the world might not mean that you're traveling to Africa and India and wherever else. All the world might be going to your block and starting there, talking to people. I was talking to somebody just the other day. He says, you wouldn't believe what happened. And I says, what? Well, he had taken a volunteer position. He says, I really couldn't say that it was great, but I thought, yeah, I could do that. And they needed somebody. So I went and volunteered. He says, all of a sudden, he says, I'm getting calls from all different places to come and speak. And he says, I've been asked now to oversee three different areas that they want to amalgamate if I will take care of doing that. Why? Because somebody got off of their blessed assurance and did something. All of a sudden, he's going to be influencing not just 15 people, but 50 people. 
what happens. We're all called. Every one of us is called to influence our society. Every one of us is called to be the light wherever we are. So you don't know what else to say? You just say, Jesus. Well, you don't know what else to do? Jesus. In his name, demons tremble and they have to flee. In his name, situations have to change. When we start being willing to actually step on what the scripture says, you know, as Kelly was facilitating on um, Tuesday night, one of the things was don't even worry about what you're going to say because the Spirit is going to give you the words to say in that very hour, that scripture. And when she found it, I was like, yeah, I know what this says, yep. <laughs> so they read it to make sure, yeah, it was like, you know, sometimes we get intimidated. One of the things that wants to intimidate people is education. Oh, well, they're so much better educated than I am. There's so much this, there's so much that, there's so much, and they can be. A number of years ago, through no circumstances that I had arranged, I ended up sitting in the office of probably the most powerful lawyer in all of Manitoba. Very wise man that was capable of winning every case he went to. And I'm sitting in his office. We spoke for three minutes. Jewish man. And he looks at me and says, sometime I would like to sit down with you and discuss scripture. <laughs> Why? Holy Spirit knows exactly what he needed to touch him. Now would I choose that? No, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't choose that. That's not my comfort zone. Will I back down from it? Never. Paul Walsh, for those of you that are trying to figure it out. <laughs> when God opens doors, you best be willing to step through. Because if you're not willing to step through an open door, you're never going to experience what you were created to do. The hammer that's hiding in the back of the shelf and saying, I don't want to hit my head pounded, is never going to have the joy of seeing a nail Go into the wood. These are not things that we can glory. You know, Pastor Jerry has said the same thing. She says when she sits at the round table, when she's asked to go to Ottawa to meet with the head of Canadian Christian education, she says, I feel like, what, what can I add? These people are lawyers and these have doctorates and they're this and that. What am I going to add? And yet every year they keep saying, come, we want you here. They keep asking her to step up and to sit on the national level. Why? It's the Holy Spirit in us. But I'll tell you, if we can do it, you can do it. Because most of you are probably better prepared than we were. So I didn't finish grade 12, and I don't often say that, but I didn't. I went back. But it wasn't because I have such a high education. It wasn't because Pastor Jerry had spent years in university studying child whatever, this and that. It's because we have studied the Bible, and the wisdom of this world is foolishness to the wisdom of God. So when you start sharing the wisdom of God, the wisdom of this world all of a sudden is going, Hee! Now, I believe that God has said in his, well, I know that God has said in his word that your gift is going to make room for you. So whatever gift God has given you, if you are willing to use it, it is going to open up the doors for you. But if you're not going to use it, those doors will remain closed. The first number of years when I got up to preach, I kept thinking, God, there is so many people that are so much better prepared, that are so much better trained, that are so much better this, they're so much better that, they're better speakers, they have a better knowledge of the word, they have a better this. And then I found out, no, they didn't. 
The word hasn't changed whether I read it or whether they read it. When we started the academy, the first thing Pastor Jerry says, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I have no training. I have no... Th- I, have, I said, I know, but God does. A friend of mine years ago, Walter Russell, was starting to speak, and he was just a young man when he got into the ministry, less than 18 years old. I think he was 17 when he started in the ministry, and he's got up to the front of the church, and he'd been saying, he says, God, all of these people are so much older than me. They know so much more. Why would you ask me to speak? And God says, don't worry about it. I'm older than all of them. you can let fear stop you if you want or you can go ahead and say hey I can suck it up and put it on until I get there I can look brave (laughs) inside I'm shaking like a leaf but I can look brave that's all that's required Because the Spirit of God is going to give you the words that you need. But you're going to have to be willing to speak out those words because if He gives you the words and you don't want to speak them out, then it doesn't really matter why should He bother giving them to you. Number 10, last one. 1 Corinthians 10.33. Apostle Paul writes, according to God's Word, I try to please everyone in every way. I don't think about what would be good for me, but what would be good for many people so that they might be saved. King James says, I become all things to all men. Be relevant. Don't be an eight-track tape in an MP3 generation. Be relevant. Be relevant to the generation that you are speaking to. Be relevant to the people that you are going to be sharing with. You know, if you're speaking to a group of conservative Mennonites and you're coming in with torn jeans and your hat on backwards and a t-shirt that, and going, yeah, hey man, we got it all together. Like, that's all cool, eh? Yeah. They're going to go, and that's nice, because they're polite. <laughs> and then when they leave, they go, oh, my God, my vote be adult. <laughs> my goodness, what was that? <laughs> be relevant. When you're sharing Jesus, be relevant to the person you're with. Be able to share Jesus with anyone. I have met conservative Mennonite people with the kerchief and the everything on and I've been able to talk to them and share Jesus with them. I have met people that were down and out, living on the streets, and I've been able to share Jesus with them. I've been able to share Jesus with priests and with pastors and with... Be relevant. Who are you talking to? What's their need? I can share Jesus with young people, with old people, with women, with men, with kids. Now, yes, I definitely feel more comfortable in certain settings than others. Perhaps one of the most trying times was when I was asked to speak at the Victory Conference and I get up to speak and the first thing I see is Dr. George and Hazel Hill sitting in the front. (laughs) I said yes, didn't I? Probably one of the first messages they ever heard me speak. (laughs) And I had such a great topic. This is the day the Lord has made. (laughs) I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I'm going, oh, God. You know, this is where I should have gone to some leadership training. I should have gone into some deep off. I should have whatever. I should have been. And I taught on this is the Lord the day has made. This is the Lord the day has made. (laughs) 
This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. And Pastor Lauren and Vivian were sitting right beside them. And Pastors Terry and Terry were sitting on the other side. And my wife is saying, <laughs> But I said, well, Jesus, I can't do this. I don't know what to say. I had prepared. But, you know, I started speaking. And all of a sudden I could sense the presence of the Holy Ghost again. Well, me and Jesus, we can talk. So I began to share the message that God had put on my heart. I think, I think you were probably the only one that one, weren't you? I don't think anybody else in the church was there. But all of a sudden, I'm speaking, all of a sudden I hear the church going, Amen! Amen! Hallelujah! <laughs> and, <I'm> like, huh? <laughs> and the church starts basically erupting in praise while I'm speaking. And they're cheering, <laughs> and they're on. Dr. George said, boy, Pastor Ben, that was a good word, <laughs> good teacher. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, it's such a complex subject. Like, this is the day the Lord has made. <laughs> That's why. What was there, probably 300 people there? And they're shouting, and they're yelling, and it's my hour has come to an end. I'm going, oh. Why? It's not about you. It's about putting Jesus first. So be able to share with Jesus, with anyone. If you feel you can't talk to people, then take some courses in education or conversation. You know, there's Toastmasters Club. There's different clubs that teach you how to speak. Al facilitates a, uh, a course on learning to teach, learning to speak. Because a lot of people have a fear of speaking. They say, I don't feel comfortable. Then take a course. I think, Kelly, did you take it? You take one with Al about speaking? Bonnie? Yeah. Speakers Club, yeah. Because when you start doing this stuff, you start investing in yourself. You start honing the skills that God has given you. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to share this word and that each one of us, Father, can implement these tips and just rock 2019. That this could be a year, Father, where we're able to move out and not let one seed fall to the ground. Thank you. Help us now to implement what we've learned. In Jesus' name, amen.